0: Hey, if you've got a Bible with you today and you want to follow along, uh, turn to Psalm 23. Uh, and if you've got a full Bible, there's a chance that if you went right to the middle with your thumbs, you might, be, you might get close, all right, depending on how good you are. But uh, if you also grab one of the Bibles on the way in, you can turn to page 382 and uh, we'll have the verses on the screen so that you can follow along with us. We're, we're starting a brand new series today called The Valley uh, because the harsh reality about life is this, that, well, life doesn't always go the way that we want. Uh, It doesn't always go the way that we hope for, and it doesn't matter who you are. Uh, It doesn't matter whether you call yourself a Christian or not, if you're around church much or not. I mean, the the, the truth is this, that we've all struggled. Uh, We've all gone through some difficult times and seasons of life that really, when you think about it, have often felt like a dark, uh, desolate sort of valley. And it's in the valley uh, that we experience all sorts of different things. We experience things like grief. Uh, It's in the valley that we experience uh, fear and anxiety. Uh, It could be depression. It could be this feeling of hopelessness. And I'm guessing that if we even went around the room right now, if we were uh, willing to tell some stories, kind of share some experiences with one another, we could make a list, really, of all of the times that we've been in the valley and, and what it was that forced us Uh, into those valley seasons. Like maybe for some of you, it had something to do with losing a job and not only the pain in losing a job, but maybe some of the financial challenges uh, that followed because of it. Maybe the valley for you was that you lost someone and whether it was someone that you lost uh, tragically or suddenly, or even if you lost them over time, it, it could have been somebody that hurt you. And whether that's in the recent past or maybe that's in the long time ago past, it Maybe for some, it started the day when you realized that there was an addiction uh, present in your home, Uh, could have been following a diagnosis. Uh, Sometimes, really, when you think about it, it's the fear of the unknown. It's the fear of what's coming that that drives us into these deep, dark valleys. And the fact is this, that the valley can be a frightening place. It can be a very lonely place. And it's in the valley that we experience things like fear. Uh, We experience abandonment. Uh, It's in the valley that we we struggle with things like disappointment and, and uncertainty. Certainty, and sometimes it's a real crisis of faith. And, you know, if you grew up around church, if you call yourself a Christian, again, you go through some of these dark and, and difficult times and it's in those valleys that we, we struggle with our faith. We ask questions, if God is real, is he good? And is this even worth it? But uh, as we begin this new series today, we want, we want to acknowledge right from the start, we want to acknowledge that these difficult circumstances and, and seasons that we go through, that they are, well, they're just, they're hard, right? They're really hard. They're they're difficult to go through. And unfortunately, we we all go through them. And and for some of you today, again, if you're honest, well, you'd say, you know what, I'm going through the valley right now, or I really feel like I'm on the the verge of one. Thankfully, here's the good news for us. And we've got time to figure this out together. And this is what I'm praying that the Lord might do in your life over over the next weeks. Here's the goal for each of us, that no matter who you are, our goal in this series is this. It's to discover an eternal hope that we have that there's a hope, there's a person for each of us, that, that we're never, the hope is this, that we're never going to go through the valleys and seasons of life. Uh, alone, And so we want to ask the Lord to just kind of open our mind to that, to open up our hearts to that and really see what it is that we have in him. And to better understand that, we're going to be studying through a chapter in the Old Testament that not only addresses the valleys of life, but also remind, offers a reminder of this hope that we have in Jesus and how Jesus is more than capable of leading us through whatever dark valley we may face. Let's, let's pray together uh, as we get started. Father in heaven, we just want to thank you right from the top here, Lord, that you know every person here today. You know every life you know every story you know our circumstances you know those things that get us excited you know those things that that have hurt us that have disappointed us you know the great questions that we're asking right now those prayers that we're praying and if we're honest lord for some it's a real struggle right now Uh, and the the valley is a difficult place and it's again it's a place of things like anxiety and and depression and, and fear and uncertainty and lord we We need to be reminded today. There are some here that need to be reminded in a really powerful way that they are not alone and that you're not done and that you're still working and that you love us and you care for us and you have promised to provide for all of our needs. And so we offer our lives to you today. We offer this time, Lord. I pray that you'd speak through me and speak through your word, that you'd speak to each of us in a really powerful way. In fact, Lord, I'm just praying that over this next month that you would do something really special in our lives and in our thoughts of you and the hope that we have in you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so six weeks, six weeks in Psalm 23, and, uh, man, you don't have to go to church to know that Psalm 23 is probably one of the most well-known, most loved chapters, really, when you think about it in all of the Bible. Psalm 23 was written by a guy by the name of David, all right, and we don't know at what point in his life David wrote these words. There's a really good chance that he wrote them later in life, but looking back kind of on his life and how the Lord had been working in him, and just in case you're not familiar with who David is, David was one of Israel's greatest kings, and many of the details of his life are recorded in a collection of books contained in what we call the Old Testament. But for our purposes today, it's certainly worth noting that David, before David ever became a mighty king, before he ever became a great king, he got his start, all right, as a lowly, overlooked shepherd who was tasked with watching over a flock in the Judean wilderness, all right? And so with that in mind, let's read together some of David's most famous words. Again, these come right out of Psalm 23. They're six verses. They're here on the screen. Let's, let's read them together out loud, if you'll read with me. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Remember, David was a shepherd first. All right, and because he was a shepherd first, he understands the role and what it's like. But there's another fascinating theme, too, that's also found in the Old Testament, and it has to do with shepherding, and it's simply this that the God of Israel, all right, is also described in many places as being the shepherd for his people of Israel. Look at how the prophet Isaiah describes God as the shepherd for Israel in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 11. He says this, that he, that God, tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. Now, with these words and thoughts in mind, go back one more time to David's opening words again, Psalm 23, the first half of verse 1. David begins by saying, "The Lord is my shepherd." Now, we get the sense right away that the overall theme of this psalm is God's loving and watchful care over His people as a whole, but there's something here that you might not realize, and that, that the English word for Lord, right, and it's likely all caps if you're following along in your own Bible, all right, L-O-R-D, in all caps, that is used here. It comes from the Hebrew word. It means the Hebrew word Yahweh, and the Hebrew word Yahweh was a very holy name. It was a name that, that many didn't speak because it was way too holy to speak, but it was all also at the very same time, just this very personal name for God that is used in the Old Testament. Now, here's why that's important, all right? Here's why I share this. David is saying this. He's basically saying that the unchanging, uh, great... Uh, magnificent, omnipotent, omniscient, you know, ever-present God, this everlasting God who created everything, that created the the heavens and the earth, the same God who led His people out of Israel, who were, had been, or excuse me, His people of Israel out of slavery in Egypt and into the promised land. This is the same God, the one who cares for and shepherds His people which in and of itself should blow our minds, really, when you think about it, that he can be so great, he can be so awesome and so magnificent, and at the same time care for his people. But it gets better than that, all right? Because one small word, really, in fact, one pronoun, one small detail magnifies this even more. And honestly, when you think about it, it could be the real difference maker, It could be the real difference maker for you today, the way you see God, the way you see time, your time, even in the valley right now. And it's this, again, look at Psalm 23, one again. David says this, the Lord is what? My shepherd. In a very personal way, again, David says, not that the Lord is our shepherd, which he is, but David says, no, the Lord is my shepherd. And I just want you to see how personal this is for David. And we're gonna look at this, we're gonna study this together over the next six weeks. Now, think about the significance for just a moment of such a statement, you know, even even in in, in 2018. In fact, uh, consider this. As of November 2018, that is, the world population is estimated right now to be around 7.7 billion people, all right, and is expected to reach 8 billion people by 2024. And again, that's current people, all right? That's just people living today or that will come to life in, in these next years. And, and, and so that doesn't even take into account all of the people that have ever lived in the past and all of the people that will live in the future. But just to keep things simple, right, if you would, just try and get your mind around 8 billion for a second. All right. Just trying to imagine what eight billion is like, or maybe this will help. It's it's eight thousand million. Okay. All right. If that that makes it any easier. If that makes it any easier for us to comprehend. All right. Here's what I'm getting at. David's use of the pronoun. Here's what his pronoun "my" means for you and me. That God desires this. God desires to lead. He desires to shepherd all eight thousand million of us that are alive today, and not just from a communal perspective but in a deeply personal and intimate way. And we don't know for sure at what point in life David realized this, what what point in life this really was just a breakthrough for David, but somehow, and in some valley, David grasped the reality that regardless of how many people would ever live and walk on this planet, in spite of all of his flaws and all of his mistakes and regrets, David realized that God created him and knew him and loved him and cared for him. So much so that David was able to write the words, the Lord is my shepherd. And what David is communicating here really is a powerful reminder for every single one of us. And maybe one that, that many of you know, but it's so easily overlooked, overlooked and so easily forgotten. And it's just this, that God is personal. He's personal and he loves each of you in a very personal and deep way. I mean, the fact is this, that he cares for you. Uh, he thinks about you. He, he knows every detail of your life. He, he knows what makes you happy and what makes you sad. He knows what causes you fear and anxiety. He, he, he cares about your depression. Uh, he cares about your health right now. He, he hears our prayers. He, he hurts for you. He helps you and, and is ready to help you and maybe in, in more ways than we realize. And, and in order to better understand the significance of this, I think it might help for at least just a moment for us to to consider what it means to be a shepherd, like what does it look like uh, to be a shepherd like what, what does it mean for God to be my shepherd? Um, I, I got to travel to Israel uh, a year and a half ago, and it was a life changing experience for me to spend two weeks there with forty people. We had a great teacher and and we just spent all of our time all over Israel. And the goal was to walk as the people walked, like to get your feet dirty, you know. And, and so we spent time in the wilderness and we walked out in the heat and sometimes five to 10 miles a day because, well, if the Israelites spent 40 years there, we should at least spend a few hours there and feel it, you know. And then we slept in the air condition at night, which was wonderful. But, you know, we went to all of these great and amazing places. We walked in Galilee where Jesus walked. We, we traveled down to Jerusalem and... And so, we, again, we saw all these wonderful and awesome things, but we, we, you learn so much. Like when you see it for yourself, when you can have that picture in your mind and when you read your Bible, it just changes everything. And well, I learned something about Psalm 23, you know, from my time there, because before going, this, this is what I thought of when I thought of this Psalm as well as shepherds and sheep in Israel. It's this picture. Like, I mean, is this true of you? I mean, isn't this what you think of when you think of Psalm 23? It's the green grass and you got the really cool dog, you know, off to the side and the shepherd that's just there looking over his sheep and the beautiful mountainside and the weather's perfect. I mean, it couldn't get any better, right? But visiting the Judean wilderness, the place where David likely tends sheep, maybe even wrote this Psalm, shattered my perception because check this out. Here's the Judean wilderness we spent a couple hours here in this one location on this particular day and kind of hiked out into this valley a little bit. And our our teacher who's up front there just did some great teaching. We talked about things like Psalm 23. See, the Judean wilderness, again, the place where David likely tended sheep and, and wrote Psalm 23, it looks like this most days. It's the desert. In fact, nine months out of the year, it looks like this. Now, there are a few months in a rainy season, which maybe it's only a matter of four or five inches of rain that you'll find some patches of green grass. And, but this is what it is most of, uh, of the year. And so you, you get a, a better idea of what David's thinking about and what the experience is like for the shepherd and for the sheep. And so maybe this next picture is really a better example of what shepherding a flock in, in Israel is like. That's not David. We don't have pictures that go back that far. But... Uh, but again, it just kind of gives you an idea you know, of what it was like. Here's the thing, shepherding was difficult work. Uh, it was a master, a masterful sort of work. It took many years of practice and, and experience to, to learn to shepherd well. A, a good shepherd had to be incredibly familiar with the land and with all of its potential dangers, dangers like all of the cliffs and valleys. There, there are plenty of them in the Judean wilderness, and a, a good shepherd knew how to navigate these cliffs and valleys and to navigate his flocks, and so it's not for the inexperienced because it's easy to get lost there. Uh, Another danger was water and the lack of water, and so a good shepherd knows where the water is and how to get his, his flock there. A good shepherd is always watching the weather too, and so whether it's the extreme heat by day or the cool temps at night, uh, he had to be ready for surprise storms, all right, and for the floods, because it might not be raining where you are, but if you're in the valley, if it's raining at another place, if it's raining upstream, well, well, flash floods are one of the great killers of people in the wilderness, even today. In addition, a good shepherd had to be ready to defend his sheep against predators. Uh, lions and bears were prevalent in biblical times. Uh, even today, things like wildcats and wolves and snakes and venomous uh, venomous insects pose threats to sheep. Uh, even in the Judean wilderness, there are poison poisonous plants there too that the shepherd has to navigate, guard his sheep from turning to. And so when you think about it, a good shepherd was expected to play the role of biologist, botanist, meteorologist, and zoologist. Like they had to know all of these things. They had to be ready and prepared for any and all surprises. And more than anything, a good shepherd had to know his sheep well. Uh, he had to be familiar with each of them because he, he had to know their tendencies and the characteristics. They're all different. And he, so he knew what frightened them. He knew what led them away. And not only does a good shepherd know his sheep well, but because of the time that they spent together, the sheep know their shepherd and they recognize his voice and it's comforting to them. But, he, but here's the thing. If, if the Lord is my shepherd, as David writes, all right, well, then isn't the other side of that true? And that means that you and I, we're a lot like sheep. We've got a lot in common with sheep. In fact, in his book, a, a shepherd looks at Psalm 23. Uh, Philip Keller describes sheep as being the most helpless creatures in all of the animal kingdom. He explains how they have limited intelligence, that they are, uh, he says, pitifully uncreative when it comes to looking for food and they're, they're creatures of habit, meaning they'll follow the same paths into desolate places where there's no food and they'll do this over and over again. He goes on to say that sheep are known for being timid and stubborn, can be frightened by the most ridiculous things and to top it off, they're completely defenseless. Like they have no defense system on there they, and they've got no way to defend themselves. There's nothing scary about them. They're just really like pillows with legs, really. I mean, that's, that's, what, that's what they are. And, and it's humorous, you know, when you think about it, but it's sad at the same time because, well, if we're honest, we have more in common with sheep than we realized. Like think about how often you might find yourself in a, in a circumstance and whether difficult or easy, complicated or you can't see your way through. Have you ever been in a place like that? you just you can't make a decision. We become so indecisive or we live in despair over our inability to escape bad habits, poor choices, and destructive relationships where think about how often we're unwilling to hear helpful advice and and even when we do, we find ourselves drifting to places we shouldn't go. I mean, we like sheep are we're stubborn we like like sheep are easily frightened we again, we can't make decisions on our own, and worse yet like Well, maybe some of you would be willing to admit today that you feel totally defenseless right now about something that's going on in your life and you have no idea what to do next or what to do about it. We have more in common with sheep than we know and David realized that. And that's why we need a good shepherd. Like we need someone, you and I, we need someone who can lead us to refreshing streams of water and protect us from the dangers of of things that we can't see coming. Like we need a shepherd who is familiar with life's terrain and most importantly, someone who is more than able to lead us through the valley. And a good shepherd is someone who, who cares for us and because we know that care, well, we can't help but put our trust in Him and put our faith in Him even when it's difficult. And that's what God was for David and why David could say, the Lord is my shepherd. Because again, for David, his confidence was in God, and he trusted God for his needs and his protection. And when David went through frightening valleys and was overwhelmed by by just even the thoughts of like what could be, he found hope in a God who was close. He found hope in a God who deeply cared for him. And again, what David discovered in his life, it's true for you and me too. This is true for us, that we have a good shepherd in God, a father who cares for us. He's someone that knows us intimately. He's our provider and protector. And I just want you to hear today that no matter what it is that you're facing right now, no matter the depth, no matter the time spent, no matter the darkness, the the fear in your valley right now, he knows the way through. He knows the way through and he has everything that we need. Look at Psalm 23, verse 1 again. We need to look at the second half of that verse because it's just as important. David acknowledged, the Lord is my shepherd. I am lack nothing. David said, I lack nothing. Now, I I don't know about you. I don't know what you hear and think about when you hear those words. I can't help but wonder, how can David say that? Like, wouldn't you want to know, what did he learn? What did he read? Uh, What is it that he was praying? Like, like at what point did this just really hit home for him? Like, what does he know that we don't? That's what we're going to discover together. Uh, over these next six weeks as we work through Psalm 23 verse by verse. And uh, I I hope you'll make it a point to be here with us uh, as we learn about a God who knows how to lead us. We learn about a God who knows how to provide for us. Like He's the one that has promised to provide for us along the way and to protect us from those things that we can't see. And He doesn't, well, we got to get this. He doesn't promise to protect us from the valley. Because here's the thing, Sometimes the shepherd has to lead us into the valley because he knows that the valley contains everything that we need and there are things that we're gonna learn in the valley that we would never learn from above. And that's a difficult reality to grasp. I can't say that I necessarily love that, but it's what's true for us. It's what David discovered and it's what you and I need to realize as well because he's good, he's always good and there is no greater shepherd. And you know what? It's interesting to note that Jesus had a thing or two to say about shepherding. And one of the instances that the gospel writer John records about Jesus' life is a conversation that Jesus had with some religious leaders who like to use their authority as a way to manipulate people that they were supposed to be shepherding, people that they were supposed to be encouraging along the way, which, as you can imagine, kept people then from fully knowing and experiencing God in good and healthy ways. Well, while they were talking one day, again, Jesus and these religious leaders, and what it looked like, talking about what it looks like to lead people, well, Jesus turned the conversation to shepherding of all things and said things like in John chapter 10, uh, a good shepherd calls his sheep by name. Uh, Jesus said uh, a good shepherd is someone who goes ahead of his sheep and his sheep follow him because they hear his voice. But then Jesus dropped a bombshell, really. All right, and you can find these words in John chapter 10. We'll have them here on the screen, but John chapter 10, verse 11. Here's what Jesus said in the midst of this conversation. He said this, he said, I am the good shepherd. Now, I had to believe that this probably ruffled some feathers because these religious leaders were more than aware of the Psalms. They were more than aware of Psalm 23 and David talking about the Lord as a good shepherd, talking about Yahweh himself. And now here comes Jesus saying, Guess what? I'm the good shepherd, right? And in light of our time in Psalm 23, again, I think Jesus' claim is pretty bold, especially when you consider that David was talking about God. And then look at the second half of what Jesus said there in verse 11. He said, not only am I the good shepherd, but then looking down the road to what was coming, which they didn't realize, Jesus said the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. And again, it's a bold claim, but Jesus backs it up by saying that a good shepherd does what? He is willing to give his life for his sheep. And if you're familiar at all with Jesus' story, that's exactly what he's done, that he loved you so much. He loves us so much that he willingly set aside the comforts of heaven so that he could come down and live his life on earth as a man, meaning that he experienced many of the same hardships and difficulties and challenges in life that we face he went through these dark valley seasons of life. But here's the difference. Here's the difference between Jesus and us. He never rebelled against God. He didn't turn his back on God. Unlike us, he never sinned. And he died. He went on to die to give his life and our place on the cross. And after three days, he rose from the dead to prove that he is God in the flesh. The good shepherd who cares for his sheep and the one who has come and given his life so that we can have eternal life. And here at Genesis, we want you to know that we believe that Jesus is the good shepherd that David was trusting and writing about some 3,000 years ago. And for those of you here today that um, know the Lord, uh, you would say, you know what, I, 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 I've been around this, I, I, I've trusted the Lord, I've put my faith in him, but maybe find yourself in a difficult place today. My question for you would be this, do you trust Jesus to be the good shepherd who can lead you through those valley seasons of life no matter how long, no matter how dark or difficult they may be. And I think if we're honest, we all know this, that when you're walking through the valley of darkness in life, it feels a lot like there, well, there are things that you need. I mean, we all have these needs and wants, these, these things like we, we desire safety, we, we desire these feelings of security and protection and peace, and all those things are valid, right? And all those things are legit. But I think the point that David is making here is that even though those seasons are sure to come and they're guaranteed to be frightening, David says this He says, If the Lord is your shepherd, you won't lack anything because the shepherd, the good shepherd, has everything you need. As we wrap up today, we'll share with you a story. Ken Bailey. Uh, Still tells a story that dates back to the 1930s actually when riots in Palestine Uh, led British forces who had a physical presence in the land at the time to round up and sequester flocks of sheep that belonged to residents near the village of of Haifa. And uh, as Bailey records, hundreds if not thousands of sheep were taken from the residents and were all gathered up into one place. And and the British forces, they announced this. They they said that that the shepherds were allowed to come and to retrieve their sheep uh, with with two things in mind. Number one, there was a price. You were gonna pay a, a price to get your sheep back, but the other was sort of comical, at least to them, and that is that you, you could come and collect your sheep if there was any way you could pick them out amongst the masses of sheep. Well, there was an orphan boy whose six or eight sheep were all that the boy had in the world, and somehow he obtained the money to redeem his sheep. And he went to this big enclosure. He paid the price to the soldiers, all right, paid the price for the ransom, only to have the supervising officer sort of ridicule him. Of well, good luck now in finding your six to eight sheep. The little boy thought differently of it. He stood at the age of, or at the uh, the side of uh, the edge of the of the flock because um, a good shepherd has a distinct call. And I'm not gonna try and demonstrate that for you, but, but a good shepherd has spent so much time hollering and calling and talking to his sheep by name and even with a whistle that they know his voice. In fact, as Bailey writes, the boy made his call. And wouldn't you know it, one by one, all eight sheep made their way through the masses until they had finally gathered around their shepherd. And so is it any wonder that Jesus wrote in John chapter 10, starting in verse 3, "'The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, "'and the sheep listen to his voice. "'He calls his own sheep out by name and leads them out. "'And when he has brought out all his own, "'he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him.'" because they know his voice. Do you trust Jesus as your shepherd? Do you know his voice? And are you ready to follow him? I just want you to know today that it doesn't matter what you've done, how deeply it hurts, how many times you've walked away or given up on God. He knows you. He knows what's going on. He knows what you've been through, and He can lead you through the valley if you'll trust Him, if you'll put your faith in Him. Maybe trust Him once again, even starting today. Let's pray. And as we pray, I want to just maybe put this picture, if I could, in your mind right now. And it's a picture that I believe that, well, it's true. It's this reality that Jesus is here with us right now. He's here, and he knows, and he he loves you, and he loves me, and he loves each of us. But here's the picture, and and maybe what you might hear in your own heart even today. I, I want you to imagine him calling out to you by name, calling you to come back. Calling you to follow. It's a call that can instill confidence. It's a, a call that is given in love and tenderness with really this question. It's this question for you and I that we've got to respond to, and that is Am I ready to follow? Will I follow? Will I, will I trust Him? Will I trust Him once again? Will I give Him a shot? You know, will I? Maybe even say, okay, you know what? You got six weeks. (laughs) I'm listening. He cares about you. And he knows, he knows what you've been through. He knows what you're going through right now. And he's still willing to lead. He can lead us. He can lead us through the valley. Good things can come out of the valley. And he's the only one that can provide those. He's the only one that can provide everything that we need. And so if the question is, are you ready to follow? Well, then, well, only you can respond. And and would your response, would you be willing to say, you know what, yes, I will, I'll I'll trust. I will, I'll follow. I'm going to trust you, Lord. I'm putting my faith in you this morning, Jesus. Father in heaven, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your patience. We want to put all of our faith and all of our trust in you, and we know that's not always easy. But I'm trusting that right now, even around this room, some are just really stepping out in faith and saying, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to keep trusting you. I'm going to trust you for the first time. And Lord, I pray that you would just gather us to yourself right now and you do something amazing starting today, whether it be over this next month, the months to come, Lord. We want this year to be different. A year that we start out by saying, "I'm, I'm following Jesus, I'm putting all my faith in him. Thank you. Thanks for your faithfulness. Thank you for being good. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.